So yeah, I'm going to preach out of um, First Peter. Um, two, I've got two passages of Scripture that I'm going to share from. Um, but let's start with the First Peter 2, verse 4 to 5. And before I read the Scripture, I want to ask you this question. What is in your hands? What is in your hands? Um, you know, some it might be a pen or a notebook or a, or a phone now. But I'm referring to what the Lord just what do you have? What gifts? What's your beliefs? What's your personality? What is in your hands? What do you have to offer, to give? 1 Peter 2 verse 4 to 5 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected, or the cornerstone in some other translations, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Um, I shared with Anne what I wanted to share, just that God wants His church to rise up to be a priesthood um, that would offer sacrifices, their lives, offer themselves. And He shared that He shared similar lines last week. Um, so I thought it's amazing that God's really in this and God is speaking to the congregation. So... Um, I want to highlight the two aspects here. The one is living stones, that the church is living stones being built in together. And the second one, that living stones, that building that God is building is a priesthood. That's what he's building. We've got a building that's being erected and they're building it and it's coming along. And that's incredible, but that's not the church. That building is not the church. We are the church. The people are the church. We are the living stones. And um, in January, when we gathered on that field, before they started building, we had a church meeting there, and we prayed, and we kind of like just envisioned what God's going to do on the field, and, and we kind of like pictured the building here, and the many people that God would send, and people would come here, get saved, and then go into the nations, and the world will change, and we pictured the building. And while we were doing that, I felt the Lord said, turn your focus on the people in front of you, because they are the stones that I'm going to build in together. The building is already on the land. There wasn't a physical building, but as we gathered, the Lord told me the building is already on the land. We are the building. We are the living stones being built together to bring God glory. And that building that he's building is a household of priests. It's a household of priests. So the thing about a building or a living stone, it's alive. <laughs> so this building God is building, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a healthy living building. So we're alive. So it's people that contribute so the Lord showed me a, a brick. Normally, do we have a brick wall here? We don't have a brick wall. I actually, at one stage, this sermon is titled, um, What's in Your Hands? But at one stage, I had, what's this, I'm a clip copper. <laughs> so I thought, I'm not just sure if, if that would go up well. But we're all stones. What's this clipper? We're we, we living stones being built in. The thing about a brick is if you put the brick there, there's normally two on top of the one and two at the bottom and next to it. So... That brick, just by being there, supports others. And your attendance here, the reason why you've got to gather and not neglect the gathering is because you're a stone, and a stone needs to be placed somewhere. And just by being that stone there, you actually help others. So the moms that's at the back with the babies, like, why do I come to church? I get nothing out of it. I can't even hear it because the baby is screaming. I can't hear the guy preaching. I'm in and out in the bathrooms. Why do I even come? You come because you're a bull, a living stone that's been built in. And because you build in, you actually, just by being there, support others. You hold others in place. 
If you take one of those bricks out, the brick starts collapsing. So why do you represent? Why are you at gatherings when you go through difficult times? Because you've been built in by the Lord as a living stone that supports others. The second reason is that living stone contributes. Because that stone there actually contributes to the rest of the building. And when the Lord says we are living stones, we're people that need to be there, present, and we need to contribute. We need to give ourselves. And that's a living stone. That makes a difference. That's, that's a difference between a living stone and a clip cup. A living stone contributes. A clip cup does nothing. <laughs> and we're not, we're not being built in as, as clip coppers, living stones. I looked in the book of Acts, and, and the Lord has been challenging me to rethink this thing about salvation. Um, and um, I looked as people get saved. It's not a, it doesn't stop there. When God saves someone and He rescues them from the pit of hell, that's at the end. He actually builds them into a spiritual house. Because every time in the book of Acts, people got saved. It says that thousands were added. The gospel went out. Peter preached, the Paul preached, and people were added. Acts 2 verse 41. Those who accepted the message were baptized, and they were about 3,000, and were added to the number that day. Acts 2 47. Praising God and enjoying, enjoying the favor of all the people, the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. So they were added. Those that were saved were added. Acts 5.40, nevertheless, more and more men um, and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Acts 11.24, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Living stones being built in, added by the Lord. And you in this congregation, you've been added to the spiritual house as a living stone. And therefore, you need to be present and you need to contribute because you've been added, built in. We're all part of the global church. And as we're all part of the global church, God has added each one of us to a local church, to a local expression so that we can live out our Christianity within the context of the church. God has added you here. Some of you might be visiting new to this congregation. I want to tell you, God has added you here. And if God has added you here, you need to give yourself because he's placed you here. Some of you in Oxygen or Bloemfontein, God has added you there. You've got to give yourself as a living sacrifice, not as a clip cup. <laughs> Is that a bad thing? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> if it is, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> um. Next one, there was a spoke about that the building that God is building, this house, it's a house of priests. Like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. I think about a priest, um, and I'm going to summarize it quickly in the Old Testament. Um, they were people that ministered unto the Lord and ministered to the people. So they were, they were those that sacrificed to God for the people's sin, for their sin, the nation's sin. So they sacrificed to the Lord as a sign of worship to the Lord. And they also sacrificed on behalf of the people and many times came with a message of the Lord to the people or encouragement to the people. So they ministered to the people of God. So when God says in the New Testament, we're a priesthood, we're people that need to minister to Him or worship Him, sacrifice to Him and minister to people around us, serve those 
around us. So we're living stones that need to be present and contribute. How do we contribute? We contribute by giving ourselves and ministering to the Lord and to one another. So each one of you built here to sacrifice to the Lord and to serve for one another. Sacrifice for one another and minister to one another. <clears throat> so ask the question, what is in your hands? What is in your hands? God has added you here. He's given you something. You might not feel it's much. When God fed the multitudes, the thousand, the five thousand, he asked what food is here. And there was a young boy with five loaves and two fishes. That's all he had. And God fed a multitude. You might not feel you've got much, but you've got something to give. And as you give it to him, and as you lay down that as a living sacrifice, as a priest, you give your life, your all, everything that you have. Some of you might feel it's a lot. <laughs> but you've got to surrender everything. Give everything to the Lord. And then He will multiply it and feed the multitudes. You'll feel you'll feed one another in here. And as each one, Ephesians 4 says, as each one does its part, the body is built up. As each one does its part, each and every one of you have got a part to play. Each and every one of you have been built into this house. And you've got a part to play. So whether you feel like as much, give it to the Lord and He'll multiply. What part can you play? What can you do? What can you contribute as a priest? Later on in the scripture it says we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Um, so what can you give? I want to make some suggestions, maybe what, what are things that you can do to contribute into this house. Give towards the needs in this house. People are going through needs. It's not always financial. Sometimes it's just prayer. I recently sat with a couple and they shared about their financial trouble. And um, she just said that one of the elders, they shared their heart to one of the elders. And that elder just said, okay, cool, here's a game plan. But never once did the elder just sit there and think, okay, okay, sure. That's really tough. Let me just pray with you. Let me just. And sometimes people don't want a quick fix for their solution. They actually just want someone to pray for them and love on them. So I had to chat to that elder and. And they're here to recalibrate and understand that it's not always about fixing the problem. Sometimes people, the need is actually just someone that would listen. I've got one guy in the church that's going through hectic times. They've got five kids. They've got twins. And, and the kids have been sick almost the whole year. There's the one gets sick, the other one. And then it's like, and in between all five of them getting sick, his wife broke both her feet, uh, the, the one ankle and the, the heel and the other Fit so that she couldn't walk, and she's got twins of one years old. Um, so it's just been crazy for that family. It's been wild. And every now and then I tell him, let's just go for a walk around the dam. So we walk around the dam, and I just listen. I don't pray. I don't give suggestions. I don't say, do this, or this is what you should do, or press into the Lord. I just listen. I just listen. And he says that's helped him so much just to be able to just share. I think that's the way I contribute. Sometimes you can just contribute by just being there and listening. Others are reaching out, sending people messages. I recently got one guy in the church send me a message. Just wanted to encourage me. He says, shared, I can't remember what he shared. But it's a guy in the congregation that didn't have to do it. He wasn't, it wasn't expected of him to do it. He just randomly thought of me, probably prayed for me, or while praying, the Lord laid me on his heart and he sent me a message. It ministered to me so much. And you, yeah. We can quickly just get caught up in our own lives. 
But a way that you can contribute is just sending a message to one another. Not just to your leaders, to one another. Say, I'm praying for you. Go for, it says, well, it's called today, encourage one another daily. So that's why it's to encourage one another. We've got wonderful technology. Use it. To take someone a meal is another way to contribute. I want to tell you this. If you haven't taken someone a meal or not reached out to someone, you haven't contributed the way a living stone should. And this is not to condemn you, but this is to encourage you to say, today, change it. <laughs> you know, if you haven't done it before, today is the wake-up call. It's the ding-ding-ding-ding. Contribute. Give. You've got something in your hand. You've got a phone. You've got an understanding. You've got a... You can encourage. You've got the Lord. You can say, Lord, give me something for that person. You've got something in your hand. We've got one guy in the congregation, single guy. Um, our congregation has got 280 adults and 142 children. Um, so we've got half of the, a third of the congregation is just kids. So there's many that have, and there's a lot of babies that popped out now the last couple of months. <laughs> so there's been a lot of need for meals. So people needed to take meals to these families that had babies. And what blessed me the most is that one of the people that's taken to two families, that's taken meals to two families, is a single guy in the congregation. I thought, that's beautiful, you know? He, he might not be the obvious person to take a meal. He asked people, what can he cook? <laughs> so one of the ladies in the church coached him, but he was willing. He had a kitchen, and he just gave. I mean, we've got a wonderful team here from Durbanville, there's a group, and there's a couple sitting here. It's so lucky to have you. They're contributing. They're giving themselves. They're living stones. They're, they're giving. They're contributing. It's like, why do they have to come here? You know? They're contributing. They're present, and they're giving. That's a way to contribute is being involved, being at the meetings, giving yourselves. Spending time with the Lord is a way that you contribute as a living stone because without Him, <laughs> you can do nothing. So you contributing, you spending time with the Lord is actually also contributing to this house. You're a good, faithful priest, a good faithful stone. It's serving one another. It's giving. It's prioritizing apostolic times. This conference, being there would be contributing to this house. As a priest, you're representing and you're ministering to the Lord and to one another and getting fed while doing so. Um, I shared with the congregation the other day, I was saving up for an iPad because um, I don't like preaching with a laptop because many times if you put it on a pulpit that can't move and you open up the laptop screen, people won't be able to see me at all. So I don't like a, a laptop. I like, some, I, I like paper, something flat that I can just, you know, at least people can see. Because they say when they teach you how to preach, people need to see your upper body, at least. Otherwise, they lose focus if they just see this. They need to at least see some arm movement and facial expression. So laptop's never been an option for me. So I printed, but we did a lot of youth camps. Um, Gunter knows about that. Um, and so we did a lot of youth camps. I was part of the Bible school and the church in Wellington. So um, sometimes you just can't print because there's not a printer available. And then it becomes a bit of a hassle. So the first time I saw an iPad, I'm like, oh, God, that would be so fantastic because I can take my notes with me. I don't have to print. It's like... That, that would be wonderful. So I started saving up for one. It's still eight, nine years ago when the first one came out. And um, saving up, it was about six grand for one. Um, back then it was quite a steep amount, but I was saving up. 
And then I read that you must wait for the second one because that's they fix all the issues with the first one. I'm like, oh, fantastic. The first, second one is coming out in two months' time. I'm at four and a half grand. I'm almost there. It's like saving. It's more than a year already just saving. Since the first one came out, I started saving. And then there was a lady in the church that went to Russia, um, and she still needed money for a trip. And I felt the Lord said, give your, give your money. Contribute. So that was more than anything. I mean, I just gave some suggestions. But more than anything, a priest needs to be obedient to the Lord. So you contribute by making yourself available and say, Lord, whatever you say, I'll give that. Whether that's encouragement with a meal or giving all the money that you saved up for something for someone else's outreach. And by doing so, you're obedient, but you're also investing into that nation. So I gave the money. I contributed that. Yeah, and like with our congregation, I didn't want to finish the story because it's not about the Lord's provision after that, really. It's about the contribution. But the Lord did provide. And a month later, someone gave me the full amount to buy an iPad, and I was able to buy an iPad. I didn't know that it was coming. Um, so the obedience was without the promise of getting it. But the Lord did provide. Um, so that's wonderful. But it doesn't, it doesn't always work out that way. But we just got to be obedient. We just got to be obedient. Mario, do you quickly want to share? Then I'll share my last point. What time did I start? <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Morning, everybody. Um, yes, how do you carry on on that? Well, let's start at the beginning. I read a book, finished a book, Ants, can you believe it? Because I buy books, I collect books, I don't read them. I only finished this book's book, Unexpected Places, and I want to share something from that with you. But if I stay the course, God is conditioning my heart, He's preparing me, even in the small insignificant things, to return to a life that matters. And I just realized that, we'll pick up the papers later, it's fine. I just realized that each of us are worthy. Thank you, Roger. Each of us are chosen. Each of us are special to God. So last weekend we had a leaders camp, and as I told Kevin and the leaders, I did not want to go. I refused to go. My wife was like, we're going, that's it, paid, done and dusted, you will be there. So they had a call on the Friday night for, to go and pray for people. So I went up, and I thought, okay, fine, let's get this over with. I'm going to tell Kevin I'm done, I'm going home now, I'm not staying here. And somebody looked at me across the room and just like, and came to pray for me. And in that moment, God broke me inside because my heart was so hardened towards God, towards people towards church, and God took my hard heart and he twisted it around. I cried from Friday night right through. I told Kevin Saturday morning no more. Saturday, we wept. I didn't have tissues. I didn't wear a scarf. I used my wet wipes out of my bag because that's the only thing I could grab. Went to Kevin Sunday morning. I said, please, no more. Sunday morning came and God worked even more. So I want to encourage each and every one of you, if you don't feel worthy, if you don't feel chosen, remember you are. You are special to God. God wants to use each and every one of you. Each and every one of you have got an opportunity to be something to somebody if you allow God to just come. And I want to end with, because we sometimes think I messed up, that's it. 
All right, we all do that. Yes, we mess up, we're human beings, we're not perfect. I thought I was. So God is a God of second chances, third chances, and chances beyond that. Because even when we are faithless, he is faithful. God is still able to bring a miracle from our mess. And this is a story about Anthony Evans that lived in the shadow of his father for, for his entire life. When he was 33, he preached in his father's church. His father was a pastor. So as I stood there, I just realized I'm so unworthy because my father's been treating me like that my entire life. And as I looked up to the rafters, my father was standing there. And my father saluted me. And I knew I'm worthy. I'm loved. I'm chosen. Thank you. Thanks, Mario. Like Mario, some of your heart might be hardened. You say, no, God can use others. But I believe God wants to come and break you this morning. That you know you've got a role to play. You've been chosen by Him. Can I go another 10 minutes? I just want to wrap it up with, there's a, in Isaiah 6, it says that thing where God, he, Isaiah looks up and he sees the Lord, high and lifted up, and the Lord comes and he touches his mouth, cleanses him, and then God Almighty asks him, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. I think many times as Christians, we see the Lord and we have these encounters with the Lord in this church. And when we hear the Lord says, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? We respond, here I am, Lord. Send him. Send her. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Because we say, here I am, send me. But when the cookie, what was he, take it in then it's like, Lord, send him. Send her. Because it costs something. It's a sacrifice. And we were priests, we sacrificed to God, but that sacrifice to God is not just us standing here in worship, it's actually sacrificing for one another, giving ourselves to one another, to the kingdom cause of this church, of the greater Joshua and the church Gabriel. It's giving ourselves, it's giving ourselves. Many people, I've sit with people and they're like, oh, I feel so used by the church. But didn't you pray, God use me? <laughs> God, use me. <laughs> and then God uses you. And it's like, oh, I feel so used. <laughs> and if you've been there, <laughs> and if you prayed that <laughs> before you've been there, God wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. You've been chosen. Every single one, irrespective if you've been saved for two months or 20 years. Whether you've got a hard heart or actually, God, no, send him. Uh, I'm here. Today, to tell you God wants to use you, would you respond to Him? So why? Why do we give ourselves of a living sacrifice? Why do we sacrifice for the sake of others? Because we're not going to get much out of it, apart from the good, well done, my faithful servant. So, so why, do, why do we do it? Why do we give ourselves? And I want to share that from the last passage of Scripture and highlight two things on why we give ourselves like that. Philippians 3, verse 7 to 14. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, and consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. This sounds like a man that's sacrificed 
for the sake of others. And why did he do that? For the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. Verse 9, And we found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And here's the next one. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what's ahead, I press towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ, um, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Today is the time to forget what's behind, the good or the bad, and to press on for what God has in store for you as individuals and for the congregation, Sevenable Central. God has something prepared for you, individuals and as a collective household. And you're going to lay hold of it as you're living stones that are willing to lay down your life for the king and one another. First one, first point is, Paul said, for the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus my Lord. Why is it so important to be head over heels in love with him? When Lizalda and I, my wife, she, we, met, uh, we started dating or courting or being together <laughs> um, a week before her 21st birthday. So what we did is, one of the first things that we did was we went to go um, look for a place for her birthday. She read these, one of these um, Karen Kingsbury novels, um, and it was all about a sunrise and sunsets and all these things. And she wanted a sunrise birthday. For the 21st, you know, not the typical dance at night. So I'm like, hey, we live in Wellington. Sun comes up in February, 4th of February. It comes up very early. Are you sure? Yeah, like, yeah, I want a sunrise. It's like, oh, oh no. Okay, so let's go look for a place that can, we can do a picnic on a hill and see the sunrise. So we were driving to go look for a place. We drove. I had to do it in my lunchtime. I was working full-time at the church. She was a student. So we went at 1 o'clock in Wellington, at the end of January, that's the warmest place to be in the warmest months, the warmest time of the day, and we're looking for a place. So we're driving, we stop at this one farm, and we started walking up this hill. But you've got to understand, it was excruciatingly hot. It was warm. It was horrible. It's Wellington. Some people call it Hellington. So we're walking up this hill, and um, they're watering the vineyards. And at one stage, I'm thinking, I'm going to quickly kick off my shoes because it's wet and muddy, and it's going to actually be nice to walk barefoot. So we're walking up this hill in the seat, barefoot, and then we get to this patch, which I didn't water anymore. So it was just a dry ground, and now we're walking. I mean, that, that ground was burning. It was like walking on coals. It was, it was painful. So I thought the quicker I walk up, the less time my feet has on the warm floor, the less burn and the less pain I have. So I was just like, and once I looked back at my wife, my, wife, my, my girlfriend, my um, Zaldi was down the hill, still struggling up. I'm like, oh, okay. Let me go down. Let me abba. So I jump on my back. I'll carry you up this hill. I'm dying, but I'll carry you. Why did I want to do that? <laughs> you don't know. Because <laughs> I was in love. I was head over hills in love. So I didn't mind the pain. <clears throat> and then it became these little small stones. And the heat, it was... It was when we got to the top, I looked and like, <laughs> it looks horrible. It was so red and so messed up. 
And then the spot didn't work because it was too small. And, not, and it's like, okay, now we've got to go back. So I said, jump on my back. We'll go down. I didn't mind. Why? I mean, it was painful, but I didn't mind. Because I was head over heels in love. And we eventually got to the mud again. I took off my shirt. I threw it on the mud. And I told her, you can just walk over. No, just joking. I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> why did I do it? I was head over heels in love. It's difficult to sacrifice. But if you're head over heels in love with him and he calls you, it's okay. You don't mind because you're in love. You're passionately in love with him. And then when you need a sacrifice, those of you that's married, and if you're head over heels, even in a marriage, it's difficult to give yourself if you're not, if you're struggling in your marriage. We're not head over heels. And then you go to a date night and things are good again in the marriage. And then it's easy, you know, to put down the toilet seat and it's easy to, <laughs> you know, to close the toothpaste and chuck the hair that's lying around. And it's like, those things that matter. But if your relationship is struggling, those things matter. He considered everything a loss for the surpassing greatness of love. Why do we give ourselves? Because we're head over heels in love. And if you're not head over heels, I'm going to pray for you today that God would open up your eyes again, that you might see him, that you might see him. And once again, fall. Paul was, he was first called Saul and he was persecuting the church. And then, I mean, he had, he had life going for him. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, it's actually what he's saying here. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees and he considered all that things through a loss because he met the resurrected Jesus. And he saw him. And when he saw the resurrected Jesus, his life couldn't stay the same. I'm going to pray that God will open up your eyes. Secondly, and I'm, I'm really closing with this. It says there, if you can give me verse 12, please. Thank you. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I always had this picture that he prepared this something, you know, something of a, of a gift for me, you know, Paul says, hey, I press on to lay hold, and so I always had this picture that God prepared something, and Paul is like pressing on to lay hold of that which God has prepared for him, but then I read the scripture the other day, and I realized I missed something, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me, he didn't take hold of something and prepared it, he took hold of me. And the picture is not something that is there that he prepared for me to let hold of, but the picture is rather that of someone taking a tool out of a toolbox, laying hold of the tool for a specific purpose. And he's laid hold of each one of you for a purpose. He's laid hold of Paul for a purpose. And now Paul is pressing on for the very thing that Jesus laid hold of him of. What is in your hands? Because he's because you are in His hand. He's laid hold of you for a specific purpose. He laid hold of Paul for a specific purpose. And for that reason that Jesus laid hold of Paul, Paul is pressing on to live out that which Jesus saw for Paul. And so we're not just pressing on for something that is prepared. I'm pressing on for the very reason He laid hold of me. And I'm pressing because He... The God Almighty, the one that I love, the one that knows all things, whose ways are higher than our ways, the one whose ways are perfect. 
He laid hold of me and you for something specific. And I want to press on for that reason, for that very reason that he laid hold of me. Some of it we'll still figure out as we go. I'm sure Paul figured it out as he went. But he knew he was pressing on because Jesus laid hold of him. He felt the grip of Jesus and he knew he's been chosen for a purpose. You've been chosen for a purpose. You've been laid hold, built into this household for a specific purpose. And you're still in his grip. And the second thing I want to pray for today is for some of you that don't feel that grip anymore. Because you're not aware of his grip on your life. And you've neglected areas. You've stepped back. But he's got you in his grip. And I want to pray that you experience his grip again. And know that he's laid hold of you for a purpose. And that after this prayer today, you'd press on for that very reason. Amen. Can I pray for us? So I just want to, I spoke here about Paul that for the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, gave everything, laid down everything. Jesus also gave everything. He gave his very life on the cross for my and your sin. Our lives are full of sin, full of mistakes. We look at our lives and it's sometimes a mess. And Jesus died for that. He gave his life for that. So if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus, you don't know what Paul's speaking of when he says, for the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. You've never surrendered your life and said, Lord, take my mess. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my wrongdoing. Forgive me of my pride and my arrogance. But here's my mess. Would you come and would you save me? I want to follow you as Lord and Savior. If that's you, don't you quickly want to raise your hand? If you've never accepted Jesus, never given your life to Jesus, don't know what Paul is speaking of, don't you quickly just want to raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No one today. So now I want to pray for two groups, and I just want you to stand when I'm going to pray. The first group is if... When I shared about Paul being head over heels in love with Jesus, and that's why I was willing to sacrifice. When I shared that, then you knew you've lost that passion. You lost that love. I want to pray for you that you, God would open up your eyes. If that's you, don't you quickly want to stand? That love, that passion, that's not there. Lord, I want to pray for these individuals that's responding. They're responding because they know that there's nothing greater than you. Nothing greater than you. They're not feeling it as strongly today as that they would, but I thank you that by your Spirit, you can come now, Lord, and rekindle that flame. I pray that you grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you open up the eyes of their understanding, that they might see you again, Lord, like Isaiah saw the Lord, iron lifted up. I pray that they would see you, Lord, that they would see you with the eyes of their hearts, Lord, and see your greatness. You truly are great. And I pray now by your spirit as you rekindle this flame, Lord, they would be able to say, for the surpassing greatness, I'm willing to give myself. I'm not giving myself out of a sense of duty or it's expected of me. I'm giving myself because I'm passionately in love with the maker of heaven, my king. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can stand or sit if you want to carry on. And then the second group I want to pray for is if you don't feel that grip of the Lord. You know He's 
as I shared that, you're reminded that the Lord laid hold of you. But you've forgotten that. You've forgotten that. I want to pray for you right now that you would, again, feel His grip. That you would, again, feel His grip. Is that you? Don't you understand? Thank you, Lord. 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 As Maria shared, God, we've chosen. You've chosen us. You've chosen us and built us into this house for a very specific purpose. You laid hold of us, Lord. We were just lying there, our lives a mess, and you came and you stretched down and you laid hold of us for a purpose. And each and everyone standing here, every, every person here, God, that's standing now, you laid hold of them, Lord. And I pray today by your Spirit again, they would experience your grip. Right now, God, there'd be a sense of just a tightening of that grip, God. And by your Spirit, I pray that you'd fill him again with boldness, with power from an eye. You said we'll f- receive power to be your witnesses, Lord. And I pray that you'd fill them again, Lord. That you would fill them again, Lord. I pray that you'd remove double-mindedness, Lord, and give them a single-minded devotion, Lord. A single-minded devotion. We don't need a platform. We don't need a microphone. We just need to press on. We just need to press on for the very reason. Christ has laid hold of us, Lord. And I pray for a new zeal and a vigor to press on again, to press on and to follow the Lord in obedience. So right now, by your Spirit, God, will you stir up? Will you stir up that zeal? You said we should never be lacking in zeal. And I pray that you'd stir up that zeal in the hearts of these men and women, that they would press on, press on in Jesus' name. And then I want to pray for this congregation. If if you feel like the Lord has added you here, I want to pray for all of you. And in a sense that we'd come today and say, Lord, we're bringing our loaves and our fishes. We're bringing what's in our hand. We know that we're in your hand, but we're bringing what's in our hand. Would you multiply that? So if you know the Lord has added you here, don't you understand? And I want to pray for this congregation and a blessing over this congregation. Even if you're maybe not a member, but you know, you feel like the Lord has added you here, you can stand. And what I want us to do is just as a prophetic picture, just stretch out our hands and say, God, this is, this is what I've got. <laughs> it might not be much, or I feel it's a lot, whatever the case might be. Lord, we come this morning and we just once again offer what we've got, Lord. We offer what we've got and we pray that you would multiply it and that you'd use it to your glory. We know that apart from you, we can do nothing. So we come to you, Lord. And today it's again in the sense of devotion of our hearts. We want to abide in you. We want to be with you, Lord. Um, And we give what we've got as living sacrifices. We give our lives, Lord. We give our lives, Lord. We give our lives. We know that you'll provide what we need when we need it, God, as we give ourselves like Abraham had to offer up Isaac. God, we, we come and we give ourselves. We give that which is dear to us, God, our time, our finances, Lord, our gifts. We give that, Lord. Our abilities, our insecurities, we give all that we have, all that we are, we present it as a living sacrifice today, and we pray that you'd multiply it for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.